All right, this is the next episode of 10 Questions. This is Thinker, and on the other end, I've got the one and only Jason Street. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, thank you. Yeah, I can't, t I can't tell you how many people uh, were, were telling me, you need to get Jason on, you have to get Jason on, you need to get Jason on. And even whenever I went and posted today, oh yeah, I remembered, I've got a re I'm recording this evening, and it's Jason, and everybody seemed, it seemed to be like, oh, awesome. Well, that, we'll see no pressure now. So it's like now you, I've got all this like performance anxiety to, to see what happens. So, well, and in all due fairness, you know, this will this will be the first time that uh, that I've interacted with you more than just uh, exchanging Twitter posts. So I, I, I'm running in the blind. You know, they, they they may be they may be hitting the nail right on the head. You never know. We shall see. It's like, uh, I, I have to be honest with you, I literally got uh, off the plane and I totally spaced out. I forgot that I was doing this today. It's like, I, I literally got off the plane today. It's like a few hours ago, so. I, well, and whenever I thought about it, I, I was like, wait a minute. Did he did he forget about it? He's gonna end up doing this from Hawaii? No. And, so it's like, no, I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's probably gonna be back, so. Okay. Past Jason is a poor planner. It's like, uh, well, so is present Jason, the future Jason. But you know, it's like, so uh, I, I, in my thinking, and I'm sure it was, was like, oh, I'll be back. It should be fine, and it will be. It'll be fine. Ethical All right. Well, let, let, let's uh, go ahead and uh, dig in. I also started a very common place. I've been starting with most people. Um, what was what what got you into into the uh, world of information security in the first place? Um, to be honest with you, uh, it, I fell into it. I didn't even know it existed. Uh, I started off in physical security and law enforcement. I always liked helping people. It's I was never a cop. It's like I don't want to get that. I was a supplemental officer for three years at a gang task force, but I wasn't like an actual police officer. So it's like, um, but then I got tired of getting shot at, like literally. Okay. And, uh, I was like, yeah, I'm good with this. I'm done. And uh, so I got, and I also started, um, I had done computers when I was uh, in school. To tell you how old I was, I programmed off the of cassette tapes. And it's like, so yeah, so I'm that old. And so I was programming off cassette tapes, making, you know, like the choose west or choose east, how many steps kind of thing. And I loved that, but then I stopped reading science fiction. And my brain is weird. It's like, once I stopped reading science fiction and I decided to switch to start reading fantasy, my thinking was, well, then I can't do computers anymore. I need to go back into sword fighting because I had sword fought when I was younger. So I'm gonna go back into sword fighting and do sword fighting more. And so then I got back into sword fighting and becoming a ninja and whatever, you know, stupidity. Uh, and the Renaissance Festival, and I stopped doing computers. It's like, because I, I mean, I used to go into BBSs, I was like doing all kinds of fun and interesting stuff. It's like nothing like too illegal. It's like I'd create some IDs and like, you know, call some mischief uh, and actually help the teachers with the computers. Uh, and then I forgot all about that. But then when I got into um, the security thing, is like, then I, uh, I got a computer uh, from a friend of mine. Uh, it's like, and I just fell in love again. I was like, oh my gosh, computers are awesome. Uh, and so um, after the uh, 
the stuff, uh, some unfortunate stuff that happened, you know, uh, with my near death, I decided to get back into physical security. And then um, while I was doing that, I heard a, an advertisement on the car radio of, do you help people with their computers? Do you do this? Well, then software support is for you. It's like, you know, it's like a, uh, a, um, a support tech company, right? Help desk support mm -hmm. uh, for OEMs. And I was like, oh, I do do that stuff. Maybe I can do it. So I literally go to the thing and I'm like, I have no expectations. I'm like very bad at business, okay? So I don't know what expectations were going on. So I literally show up to the interview and I show them all that I had hacked the, the 311 GUI, once again, old. It's like on my laptop, it's like, and how I changed it and, and changed, oh no, it was 95 at that point. It's like, so it's like I, I upgraded on the, the disc. That was fun. Uh, and it's like, and I changed the bootloaders and it's like, I had all icons, I hacked all the, because I was mainly a GUI hacker. I like making things not look like they're supposed to. Uh, and they were like, okay, you got the job. You know how to do that. It's like, yeah, you're good. It's like, you're, the bar's not that high, dude. <laughs> it's like, so, okay, cool. Uh, and then I got into, um doing uh, desktop support and then they promoted me to management was which was the worst mistake in my life uh, i'm not good with people i'm not a good manager i am not a very good management person or organized and one of my biggest i think strengths is knowing my flaws and knowing what i can and can't do i am not a good manager it's like they should not that was a bad decision on their part and I partially blame them for most of it. Okay. So it's like they should never have had me as a manager. What were they thinking? Uh, so, I mean, uh, so then uh, after I got let go of that company, they laid off a whole bunch of people. But trust me, they, they were totally justified when we go. I was a horrible manager. Uh, I uh, got back into desktop in Houston. It's like I started working for a, a computer bank. An online bank, obviously before the bust. It's like, so it's an online only bank. It's like, and I met a guy named Tim Smith. It's like, I still remember him because he was, he's an amazing person in the industry. And he saw me and he didn't have his office ready. So he was right by the help desk area. And he heard me talking about hacking, he heard me talking about Sun Tzu, sword fighting, all the other stuff that I do. It's like, and gooey hacking. So he, he hears these conversations and he realizes he's the VP of technical security. And he realized eventually he was gonna have to hire someone to help him with information security. So he offered me the job and I was floored. I was like, it changed my life. Cause I was like, hold on, hold on here. I can do computers but also secure and help people and no one shoots at me. Yeah, I'm into that. But it also shows you what a vicious circle it is because now I'm back to the part where I'm doing computers and security, but now potentially people could shoot at me again. It's like, so there you go. It's like, cause I break into some places that, you know, have armed guards. I'm like, okay, so it's a vicious circle, but I'm still enjoying it. It's like, I've never looked back. So that's been like 20 years now I've been doing information security. Wow. Okay. I, that's, man, that's, that, that, that sounds like uh, some fun experiences. Yeah. Oh, I've, I've, I've had some, I've led a very weird life. It's like, uh, on my website, jcstreet.com, there's a, a full bio, like the whole, like about me thing. It's like, which I got to add to because some other stuff happened recently, but, uh, and it's just all these weird little anecdotes from different parts of my life. 
And at the very last, like, and none of the above statements are false, you know, because it's just really ridiculous stuff that goes on. Yeah. Um, it's like, uh, and so, yeah, I've not looked back. It's been amazing. Awesome. Okay. Um, well, then, uh, my second question then is uh, many, many people uh, know, know uh, your, your activity online. You uh, often post about your trips and other adventures or misadventures with the uh, hashtag hacker adventures. Um, what's probably been, what's probably been your favorite hacker adventure that you have done? My favorite hacker adventure. Um, I've got a few, um, you got, I also gotta, I gotta give you a fair warning. It's like, I don't filter. So it's like, uh, be careful about what you ask me because it's like I want to answer. Um, I think like this last one to Hawaii, and I was telling the organizer, and I actually meant it, was uh, what you see on Twitter and social media. It's like even when I'm having like even when I'm having a horrible time and I'm miserable, I still try to present the you know the social media side. It's like so so you always see awesome hacker adventures. It's like no one ever sees the miserable like forcing myself to get out of bed and go do those adventures sometimes. Cause there's been some places and some countries where it's like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go out. I want to be in my room. I just want to watch Netflix on my computer. It's like, I got plenty of downloads. I'm good. Uh, but I do it anyway. It's like, so, um, but Hawaii was like, I legit had fun. I legit, was happy and i don't remember one of the last times i was happy on a trip it's like it's been a while it's like so i was like legit happy on a trip and it's literally been like a year maybe <laughs> it's like where i was that happy and stuff but my most favorite hacker adventure ever is always going to be no matter what comes next or what happens next um uh or past it was i went to St. Mon michelle uh, same on Michelle, and it would, nothing happened. It was literally boring. It was, but when I was 10 years old, um, I came from a really abusive household, really poor family and everything. And so National Geographic's kept me alive for a long time because it showed me that there were other places that weren't as bad as where I was at. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, there's nice places. But St. Mon Michel, it's, uh, I don't know if you know, if, for people who aren't familiar with St. Mon Michel, it's on the coast of France. And when the, the tide is in, it's an island. And it's like, it's this fortified little village that goes up on this hill to the abbey at the top. It is literally like Gondor or something. It's, like, it's a fairy tale place. And because of the fact it's walled in and the beach and the tides and everything, there's no expansion. It is trapped in time. And because of its fortifications, it's not been ransacked or defeated or, or bombed or nothing. It's been like in its present state. So when I saw that when I was 10, I made a promise I would go there. It's like, it's like if I could live, if I could survive and I could keep going, it's like one day I would see that. And, uh, and I had all these pictures and it's like, and I even forgot about that after like in my twenties and stuff. It's like, I, but then I started traveling again and it re rekindled the, like I promised myself. And I went to this one hacking conference, uh, in France and I literally had this extra time and I was like, mother, I'm doing it. And so for two days I lived in St. Mon Michel 
And it's like, and I got to walk around and I got to like, and I've got wallpapers, a lot of different wallpapers on some of the computers that are just the picture of the countryside, which is totally boring. Mm -hmm. But I'm looking from St. Mama Michelle out. And my whole life, I'd always been looking at St. Mama Michelle from the outside. So that picture resonates the most with me because it was me actually looking out of where I always tell myself to go. And, and I literally have um, rocks from the Abbey I stole, uh, uh, parts of the Abbey, because I, I have a really weird rock collection that I, I'm not gonna go into publicly. Uh, it may involve some pieces of the Great Wall of China, the Berlin Wall and the Pyramid of Giza, hypothetically. Uh, and, but uh, this one's in a St. Michel jar that I got there. And this is actually part of Simon Michel that I keep with me. Now, oh, and this one's got the, uh, hypothetically, it could be an olive wood box from Bethlehem with pieces of the Holy Sepulchre in it. But I mean, that's just hearsay at this point. Um, but yeah, so those are my, uh, but yeah, the, uh, but Simon Michel is probably the, the top hacker adventure for that reason. Not because of like shark cage diving or the skydiving I've done or all these other weird encounters that I've done. It was just because I was, just boringly there. Well, and it's amazing sometimes whenever, whenever you're able to fulfill things that have uh, sourced from your childhood. It's just how much more, how much more fulfilling those are, seem to be than many other things. So I, I understand that. Definitely. Okay. Um, all right. So since, so since I have not uh, been. this yet i guess i've got to ask about the source when did the awkward hug start oh okay so the awkward hug movement started uh at uh defcon i believe it was defcon 19. yeah it was defcon 19 for sure because of the stupid haircut it's like um the uh my friend megan Wu. It's like, uh, or Tonkoff, it's like she was uh, sick and she, or, or, or she was in certain, something happened, something medical related. Uh, and she wasn't able to attend DEF CON. And so I was feeling bad about that. So I was like, I'm going to take random pictures of people so she'll know and then tweet them out to her so she knows that we're thinking about her. And Dave Kennedy is well known for his hugs. It's like integral even on that year, I believe, yes, it was actually the year we had the man hug coupons and stuff, you know, to get the man hug ticket. So Dave Kennedy was famous for giving hugs. He was always a generous person. It's like, and so, and I thought it was like, Dave started the hug thing. I just made it awkward. Uh, and that's what I did at DEF CON. I actually had different, four different kinds of hugs. I had an ambush hug, or I would do a normal hug, or I would do an awkward hug. And over the conference, it realized that awkward hugs were the best. So I just started doing awkward hugs. And it was just like doing an awkward hug with someone and then and, and taking a picture and sending it to her, tweeting her out. And then that was it. It was like, okay, it was cool. And then on, uh, and then I did one in Germany because I went straight from um, Vegas to Germany for CCC camp. It's like I spoke there and I was with uh, Nick Farr and I gave him an awkward hug. Uh, near the Brandenburg Gate. And that was the only awkward hug I'd done after DEF CON until um, uh, B-Sides uh, Dallas, Fort Worth. It's, it was a B-Sides DFW, and that's when everything changed. That's when it became something. Uh, it's like, uh, because Wendy Nather at the time, she was going through cancer treatment, 
And I was like, well, I'll do the same thing. But that's when I realized it's like, and people were like, they saw the stuff from Duck on Team. They're really, and they, everybody loves Wendy. So it's like they were all getting on it. And I, and it, something clicked in it where I realized something. People who are normally not very socially adept will say that was their icebreaker. I was, they were able to come up to me and go, hey, do you want an awkward hug? Or say, or can you give me, and then they could talk to me and approach me because it's like, there's too much in this community where it's like people are like, well, that's a speaker. I can't talk to him. He's a hacker who's just would hoping someone will talk to him. They're standing in the corner looking aloof and serious. What they're doing is like, why won't people talk to me? You know, it's like, it, and, and except for the real true like rock star, you know, which are the a-holes. It's like, uh, who, who don't care and they like that. It's like, I want to associate, uh, uh, associate. I want to learn. I want to network. I want to be around. And so this made me approachable. It's like, and that's when it clicks. It's like, this makes me more approachable. People will come up and talk to me. They'll feel like they can talk to me because the awkward hug thing makes it acceptable for me to, to give out, you know, to, to interact with them. Because as soon as they get that awkward hug is out, then the questions start. Or then they start talking and they start communicating because that broke the eye. And that's the main reason, that is literally the only reason why I continue was because it made me more accessible to people where they would feel comfortable coming up and talk to me and stop treating me like I was somebody. It's like, it's like, I'm just another hacker who hugs in an awkward manner. It's like, I mean, it's like, there are other people way bigger in this community. It's like, you know, Dave Kennedy created set and social media, I mean, all these different tools. It's like HD Moore uh, with his team created Metasploit. It's like, uh, FX from Feel It, it's like, you know, destroyed Cisco, it's like uh, Huawei and everybody, it's like uh, routing wise. Uh, I hug people in an awkward manner. That's my contribution to the community. So, thank you. <laughs> like, uh, but, uh, you know, it, it, it's something because it's like, it, it, and that's what I try to do. It's like I just try to bridge uh, gaps and try to make communication more. That's one of my main goals is to help communicate this stuff outside of our chamber and also talk to people who feel like they don't feel like people are going to talk to them. Okay. Okay. And I, 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 I do remember, uh, um, it was, it was, uh, uh, Cap Smash and, uh, Caitlin Bowden tried yeah. to give you an awkward hug one time. Yes, I, it, I, it was, I remember I, that correctly. Yeah. They, they did a little pyramid thing. Yeah. They, they, they gave me an awkward hug. It's like, I've had some very weird awkward hugs. Uh, I've had, a. Uh, where they would like uh, come up behind me or it's like, or they're like, uh, or they'll do something weird, like grab me or like all different kinds of places. And it's like, I'm like, okay, whatever. It's like, so when I'm in that mode, it's like, it's whatever goes. It's like, and now, and I always tell people, uh, and I was really bad. I mean, just, I'm one of those guys full disclosure. It's like, when I first started doing the awkward hugs, I was doing them poorly. It's like, I was literally going up to people like, Hey, awkward hug, you know, it's like, and I wasn't really asking for consent. I wasn't really asking if it was okay. I was just grabbing people, you know, things like, oh yeah, I can go off and hug. Uh, over the years, it's like, and people stood, and one of the key things, people who got flack for it, people who spoke out got flack for it, saying that's not cool. It's like, but that gave me the realization, you, you're right. It's like, it's like it's, it should be something where someone says they want to, not everybody wants the awkward hug. Not everybody wants to be hugged. Stuff. So uh, kudos to them, it's like for speaking up, because sometimes that's what needs to be done in this community is people needed to the unpopular opinion to popular people. 
and we forget that sometimes. And it's like, so, uh, and so I learned by that. And it's like, now and I tell people, like, look, I can give you an awkward hug. It's like, uh, I've got a scale from one to 10. If it's a five or over, your feet are probably going to be off the ground, but you can choose which one you want. And literally a one is me putting my arm around you, not touching you in any way, shape or form where there's no contact. And I lean over into your ear and I whisper something very, very awkward and uncomfortable. Like you smell different when you're sleeping. It's like, he knows don't go home. It's like your bedroom window needs cleaning. You know, just something really awkward. It's like, but zero touching. It's like, but it's still awkward. <laughs> oh yeah, and and, and, and no, I, I the the uh, the ones where the feet would be off the ground. I I, I do. Uh, it, it's that that even uh, that, that that makes me think of the one that uh, Kayla got from me at DefCon. Because yeah, because I remember seeing the picture and then the video about it got posted later and she said something about that that she asked for a ten. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she asked for it, and that's what she got. <laughs> it's like, yep. That's what I yep. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, all right. I might ask you a South Texas related question here. Okay. Um, and uh, this this will this will be a little bit of a curiosity on my part because this is this is uh, from a little bit of the time that I, that uh, I lived down that direction too. Um, how how was it with having um, with having a tropical storm Bill and then a year later Hurricane Harvey end up moving through there and both of those storms just dropping so much rain over that area it was i have no clue uh i wasn't here i was in oklahoma <laughs> at the time that that happened it's like oh hurricanes and my house has been flooded uh before it's like i've had two houses flood i actually subject uh, one one of our houses we didn't know had black mold in it and made me incredibly sick uh, another one uh, with when I was with my family back in the when I was in the twenties or something, we literally had to get ex uh, evacuated by uh, uh, National Guard in a Humvee. It's like to get us out of the area because it was all flooding out. Uh, so uh, it's never pleasant. It's like uh, I know from experience. Uh, I like hurricanes better than tornadoes. It's like because I lived in fourteen years. I lived in Oklahoma. It's like. And I tell people, it's like Oklahoma weather is single-digit winters, triple-digit summers, and every once in a while in May, your house disappears. It's like, that's the weather. Why that whole freaking state doesn't live underground is beyond me, okay? Uh, but if there was ever a candidate for a completely underground state, it would be Oklahoma. It's a, and they also have now because of fracking, it's like, you know, sorry, not sorry, this is exactly what the cause of it is, uh, we have earthquakes. Because screw you, California and the liberals, it's like you can't have all the natural disasters. It's like we need that too in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the buckle of the Bible belt. It's like so, yay. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah I, I, I asked about that because uh, yeah, Tropical Storm Bill, um, I, I, I was actually smack dab where that thing came on land. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, my my uh, commute 
to work that morning was 30 minutes. Uh, My commute home at the middle of the day was two and a half hours. Uh, that's a difference, yeah. Well, they, they, yeah, they had shut they, they had shut down the main highway to get back home, yeah. so I had to I had to go uh, all the way up uh, through Victoria and come and come back around. So that was uh, that was interesting. That was that was no fun. Um, I, the, the most I, I I know probably the biggest thing uh, whenever. Uh, that had all come around. There was uh, some. There, there were some uh, crazy storms um, yeah, upstream on one of the rivers. That was that. That was already causing a lot of flooding along the river in the town that I lived in. Um, but uh, but then with Tropical Storm Bill, that just helped make the yeah. help make all the flooding right around the riverbanks just that much worse. Um, but, but but luckily it was just it was just around the river uh, where I was. But I know getting into Houston, it, it it didn't quite dump as much as Harvey did the next year, but it still dumped a lot. Yeah, the people don't understand. There's also some bringing this up reminds me of uh, of uh, one thing that did happen. It's like I I dealt with the aftermath of Katrina. Uh, I was in Oklahoma at the time. But I was so taken, it's like, and all the refugees were coming into the Astrodome. And I'm one of those, I'm just a weirdo. And it's like, I just, I, I just, when I see certain things, it's like, it's like we have, someone has to do something. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and I'm not one of those, someone has to do something, they should go do it. I'm like, what can I do to be part of the solution or also part of the problem because no one asked me to help do something. So I've literally, in my neighborhood in Oklahoma and at work, I got all these people to donate uh, clothes and all these other things. It's like into uh, my and loaded up my PT cruiser, uh, and then I drove on my own volition to the Astrodome. It's like uh, to give out clothes or anything. And when I got there, the freaking I'm disorganized. They had someone worse than me operating this thing, right? And so, and there was a sinner, and this is what got me the most because I spent two days at the Astrodome doing jack crap on distributing clothes or anything like that. I didn't even get a chance to do all that. I was working on their computer systems. They had PCs where people were putting their social security number, all their credit, all their information on machines that were like, that had viruses, that didn't have uh, encryption, that had, that was like not secured. It's like not like that. I spent two days just trying to do the security of their computer system. How many people got robbed by identity fraud during that time period is astronomical. It's like, because there was like, I found malware on some of them. I found other things like, well, no, you can't even use that machine. Burn that one with fire. It's like, I mean, just, it was bad. And that's where I spent most of my time was actually working on the computers and trying not to have them be victims a second time. Okay. Um. All right, give it, 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 this is moving on to officially to question number five. Okay. Um, I know this is probably random and most, uh, most. Uh, why the hell does he ask this question? But especially whenever I talk to somebody that's from the South, I've got to know. Right. Cream gravy or brown gravy? No gravy. No gravy. I have an eating disorder that we don't want to go into because it's really depressing. It's like, okay. but, but I, I, uh, 
uh, I have a really weird eating disorder. So everything that I ate when I was nine years old is the only stuff that I eat now. It sucks. I mean, I go through Singapore and my mouth waters because the food smells so good. My whole body, everything is telling me. And the food can look amazing and it can smell amazing. And I know that it's amazing. And everybody eating it around me is like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Uh, if I try to eat it, I feel like I'm going to throw up. It's like I have like, it's a deathly phobia to like new foods. And so it does not serve me well when I tra travel to other countries. But so that's why, every, and, and I, I'm tired of even answering it with people. Uh, when I post pictures of the Pizza Hut or the McDonald's, I was like, why aren't you trying the local food? And like, whatever. It's like, and now when I'm in person with the person and they're telling me what, I tell them the story and I'm like, there, you happy? It's like, and they shut up after that. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, all right, so maybe may something that's a, that, that, that uh, is a little closer to having a, a, a answer. Right. Or, I, I know no gravy is an answer, but um, so what, what would be favorite breakfast food then? Uh, it's what I still eat a lot. Uh, scrambled eggs with ketchup and bacon, extra crispy. Those are my favorite. I can't have the, I, my ultimate, I have very weird. It's like, I don't have very many food tastes. It's like, food, I hate eating and the whole process of having to do it. It's like, so I don't really find a lot of joy in foods. It's like, but one that actually I really like eating for some reason uh, that I don't get to eat very often now because diabetes uh, is uh, the McDonald's sausage biscuits. It's like, cause I think it reminds me of biscuits that my neighbor used to cook. It's like, I think that's gotta be it. And it's just the sausage. It just tastes really good. I just like the sausage biscuits. Uh, so, I mean, that's probably one of the main ones. I don't eat it as much, but it's like but, uh, bacon and eggs. It's like my main breakfast thing. It's like when I'm at the hotels and the buffets, it freaks everybody out because I'm like, I need all the bacon. So I've got like a plate of like a dozen or, you know, 20 pieces of bacon. And I'm like, don't judge me, mother. You know, I was in Singapore and they have a, a, a halal and a non-halal uh, buffet. Right. So it's like, so I had this huge plate of bacon. And I'm going past four Amans, and they're just looking at me like, infidel. And I'm like, sorry, American, bacon. And, you know, just like felt really guilty about it. But it's like, it was like a huge pile of bacon. So it's like, and then one time I was like in, I think, Delhi or something, and they, they wanted to foist off. I, I threw a conniption. It's like, because they said they had bacon, and it was this travesty disguised as bacon called English bacon. You thought Canadian bacon was bad because, you know, that's just ham with, you know, putting on airs. It's like freaking English bacon. If we wouldn't have revolted because of the tea, it would have been the bacon. Trust me, that was next on the list. Okay. That was the next one down. It's like, that was a travesty. It's like, how can they freaking, oh, that was horrible. I was like, no, that's, I went off on that. That is not bacon. That's sadness right there on the plate. That's greasy. It's like, I don't need greasy sadness this early in the morning. And yeah, you're. You, you, I, I don't. I don't think I've been smiling, smiling this big for many of the people I've been talking to. So, 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 so far, you're so far uh, half of the way through the questions. Yeah, you're you're living up to hype people. So, you know, the pressure should not exist. Okay. You're, you're doing good. Um, 
Okay. Um, did, are, are you somebody that likes history? Uh, I've I've been known to to like history every once in a while. It's like I like I like learning about the places that I go to and, and finding out facts about them. What What would you say is probably your uh, favorite, like very like specific happening in history ever? The most specific hack in history, the, the historical. No, no, not 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 even a hack. Not not a hack. Uh, just 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 uh, just one thing. Anything that's oh. that was your your most favorite happening in history. Um, that's a good question. Um, because I'm one of those guys. that's like, do I sound make the one that makes me sound very intelligent and like thought out? The one that I, I'm probably sort of leaning to, or the one that makes me sound cooler and like more adventurous. It's like so. It's like you know, just human nature. It's like I, I'm honest. It's like I, I don't, I don't, I'm, I don't filter it. Um, I'm gonna go with um, just a weird off one that I think is like a really good moment in history because it's like because it, it taught so much. It's like uh, of the stupidity of man because I'm not a big fan of, of the, the human species mostly. Uh, the Maginot Line. It's like, to me, that is like one of the hubris of I'm going to learn how to do defenses. I'm going to not have this happen to me again, and I'm not going to learn from my mistakes at the same time. Uh, which is the Maginot Line in France, which was this huge undertaking to create these fortifications and these unbreakable and impenetrable and unhackable defenses to defend so nothing like World War One will ever happen to France again. And so they put these huge gun turrets, these whole these whole gun towers or anything, you know, pointing toward where the enemy comes from. You know, it's like heading uh, pointing east. It's like, you know, well, Rommel knows directions and he knows how to like so he, all he did was get a division of tanks to go around the forest is like, and not even all of the army, just like, you know, just a good division of the, around the, the, the forest south, go behind the towers and they all surrendered without a shot. You know why? Because the French didn't make the turrets 360, just 180. This is where the enemy we expect to come from. This is where they're going to be going. Why? Why would we need anything else? This is where bad people come from. There's no such thing as bad people this way. Don't even worry about that. Who would do that? And that's the reason why France fell. Well, I mean, there's another contributing factor. Okay, thanks, Belgium. But, you know, the, uh, they're, they're, yeah. Yeah, there, 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 were, there were so many people that didn't want a war that they, they could have just stopped it had they actually done a little bit more than they actually did. No, they would have stopped that part. They, the war would have kept going. It's like it's like that was going to be happening. It's like, but I think they could have at least withstood a bigger defensive. It's like and more warning. It's like so they wouldn't have marched into Paris within you know hours instead of it would have taken weeks or more time. Could have, I mean things could. That's like the reason why it's like people because it's not just information security, but it's literally one of those often not talked about pivotal moments in history. And that's one of the things that always gets me because my life is nothing but pivotal moments where I just happen to be in the right spot at the right time. 
It's like, and so, and history is filled with these pivotal moments. It's like that if this wouldn't have happened, it's like if this guy didn't come back after leaving his orange out, it's like we wouldn't have penicillin. It's like, so it's these pivotal moments where it's like, that's what takes it. It's like, it makes it happen. Okay. Speaking of uh, pivotal moments in history, let's, let's go to more recent history. Um, what was your favorite band whenever you were in high school? Oh, my favorite band. Okay, my music tastes are incredibly different now. But back then, uh, I was into new wave and punk rock music. That's also how old I am. Uh, because I mean, when they were performing live, not like from the uh, on your MP3 cassette players, you know, people uh, get off my lawn. Uh, but probably one of my favorites was uh, I liked the Dead Kennedys for the punk. It's like in Black Flag, of course, and Rollins is amazing. Uh, and I'm not just saying that because I hugged them. Uh, and um, probably also uh, New Order and The Cure. So it's like those are like probably the, the, the tops for me back then. So I like messages. It's like I don't like filler. I don't like just hearing music. I like someone telling me something and telling a story. I like bards. It's like, and that's the reason why my 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 style switched. And now I listen to rap. It's like because it's modern day bards. It's like not the hip hop crap that they're trying to do on that. But I mean, like, literally, when you hear the people telling their stories of what their lives are like, uh, it's like, I mean, I used to work as a bouncer at a rap club here in Houston. Uh, I mean, I, I met uh, Ice T, uh, not Ice T, Ice Cube, one of the other Ices. Uh, uh, it's like, I met uh, Ice Cube, it's like X Clan, it's like uh, Public Enemy. Uh, I met all these people uh, uh, there at this club. Because uh, I really liked music, and it's like back then I was way more buff, and it's like you know dangerous. So it's like uh, the the owner put me there at the door because it, it, no one wanted to get beat up by me. So it's like so uh, I can keep, and I was I didn't like to fight. I'm very pacifist. I, I I can hurt people, but I really don't like hurting people. It's like it's like I I, I got broken when I was young just the right way, where it's like I was enough pain that I I don't I really hate hurting. So I'd rather take pain and have give it to someone else. Uh, but I'm extremely capable of doing it. It's like, so, um, it's like, and, I, and my sensei, it's like, used to say, it's like, if you have to resort to physical violence, you've already lost. And when I taught students back in the day, it's like, I added to that thing, make sure they never want you to lose a second time. It's like, so it's very effective. It's like, so, um, but now listen to, now listen to Christian rap. It's like, I like the positivity. It's like, I like the messages. It's like, it's more uplifting. Uh, Lecrae, 116. NF, if you ever want to know what my head's like, look at the NF. It's like just the letter N, the letter F. It's like, he has got an Eminem style at the very beginning of his career. He started developing his own. He's got his own style now. But the my all-time favorite, not from high school, whenever, my all-time favorite performer and artist now is nf it's like his stuff speaks to me it's like i mean it's like i listened i only listen to one album when i do my one hour walk and stuff at, uh, at night it's his his uh album the search it's like that's the only track i listen to day in and day out every single time i'm listening to that song the, the, those songs 
Okay. Um, moving on to question eight, a very a, a nice another little uh, classic, especially in uh, in our infosec world, since uh, a bunch of us are uh, closet nerds in some form or fashion. Star Trek or Star Wars? That's a good question. Um, I am definitely more Star Wars because I like uh, the grittiness of it. Uh, but I've always liked Star Trek on how it represented and how it wanted the future to be and how it wanted humanity to be. And it was like, and it had it's more thought out it's like and i'm sorry it's like but it's going to be more thought out because more people worked on it more people fleshed out the plot the timelines everything star wars was the creation of a guy who's like hey i want to make a couple movies and then something happened it's like star trek was a series it's like and they they had a, a, a whole thing so it's not really fair it's like uh star wars has grown to be something bigger than it was supposed to be Star Trek is growing to what it's always was going to be. Star Trek, okay. yeah. Star Wars, it just it happened. It's like so. Yeah. It's like I like I like I like the rough. I like the hand style. I like the rough. I like the rough and fun. I like the degradation of it. But Star Trek has got a lot more messages and a lot more lessons for people to learn uh, and to be good on uh, about and stuff and improve themselves than Star Wars is ever going to have. Well, and I I totally uh, totally get that. I mean, I've uh, I've always had a uh, whenever I've had people ask me about that, I tell people it's it's apples and oranges. They're, they they are two different things to me, and I appreciate them both separately. I have I have one Star Trek thing, and I have a room full of all different kinds of Star Wars stuff. So it's like so I mean I like that kind of stuff. They have better merchandising. It's like for me, it's like. Uh, because it's more iconic and things like that. But the start, I mean, yeah, it's like I, I can't be like, oh, down with them because they do that. So, yeah. Okay. Then I, I, I've got to ask, uh, what's your take on Jar Jar? Uh, only a Sith Lord could be that evil uh, and annoying. Uh, it's like, so I really think that there's uh, online rumors that Jar, Jar Jar was actually a Sith Lord. And I'm totally okay with that. I think that's a possibility. Um, I once again, and George Lucas, bless his heart, uh, wanted to make a story, and he made it with those first three movies, and then he had ideas of what he wanted the others to be. But he really was like, "I want to make these three movies," but then all of a sudden, something happened. And it was like, oh my gosh, this is a lots of money and a lot of people are involved in it. Now other people are talking to them. We need something more marketable. You need this to make it more for franchise and for like for toys and it's like for other things. It's like, oh, you need more characters. And kids are not going to be in So Jar Jar serves a very valid role for the target audience he was going for. For marketability and commerciability, it was not about the fans or the loyalists or the or the true believers. It was for the audience. It was intended to be more mainstream, get more people and get more sales in and get more things going, and it worked. So it doesn't matter if you hate it. It doesn't matter if you hate Jar Jar Binks. It doesn't matter if you think he's a travesty. It freaking worked. The guy's a billionaire. It's like success speaks. 
It's like, it's like, so you don't have to like it for it to have been effective and to that he was trying to get in and he did it well. It's like, so, and it was slightly racist, but whatever. Um, well, and actually even staying on the Star Wars thing, um, I know a lot of people, uh, whenever it, and uh, this won't be spoiler alert by the time it, this goes up, because if anybody has not seen the episode nine yet, then they're just out of the loop altogether. But uh, what about the whole thing about uh, Ray being the granddaughter of Palpatine? Um, I, I I saw an article that talked about uh, that talked about okay, when was it that Palpatine actually had relations with somebody to have a kid for that kid to be able to have a grandchild? First of all, it's like he already extended life, so it's totally within the realm of lightsabers and spaceships. Okay, that that could have happened. Okay, so that's not that's a non-starter for me to have an issue with it. Uh, I'm totally okay with that. It's like, I'm totally okay with that being the part. My whole thing is, how did those, how did the Rebel Alliance in the first episode of this new trilogy, how did they screw up that empire so badly that in the first movie they get wiped out? No one's talking about that. You gotta start thinking at this point, maybe the empire had an idea and, and maybe they were onto something. Because there seems like a whole lot more order and, and, and stability under the Empire than there ever was under this rebel alliance that lasted, what, 10 years, 20 years? It's like, how can you lose control that badly and not have any kind of intelligence network that, oh, there's a Death Star killer base on a whole freaking planet? Maybe someone should look into that. It's like, I mean, you don't get warships without cost, without supplies, without who's watching this stuff. These weren't magic fairy Jedi's creating this stuff out of nowhere. They weren't raising old X-Wings out of Dagobah system. They were freaking shipyards. <coughs> upon thousands of contractors and civilians getting paid just like they were on the Death Star, bless their hearts, they're dead now. It's like all those contractors that were trying to like just, that earned a living who didn't care about secrecy or the empire talking about the work they were doing. So yeah, lousy, lousy replacement for the first empire. Sorry. They had a really, they had a really great idea. They knew this stuff was bad. So let's go and depose them. It's like, and then create a crappier government form of government. It's, I mean, it was literally, if you wanted to see what us relations are when we invade countries, it's like basically, the Star Wars trilogy should have taught us something. Yeah, you know, I I, I can't uh, say that I've thought about it since Episode Seven came out, yeah, but I remember having that thought. Uh, it was like this this is not supposed to have been that long after Episode Six. What's what's the matter? How how did they fall apart? he's twenty years old, twenty five tops. You lost a government in 25 years. It's like, and how can you say it's like you're the you're still the rebel? It's like, mother, you're the establishment, mother. Use it. 
People should have been paying taxes and should have, like, you should have had government work. And, like, so what happened? So, yeah, don't get me started on that stuff. It's like, I, see, I, my problem is I think about those things. It's like that's the stuff that, that goes in my head. My, I my can't not think about 50 different things at one time. So it sucks. I, you know, I'm right there with you. I, I do the same thing. My head is often full with all sorts of stuff. Um, I, I've, I've got to go. I've got to go back to something that you said right at the beginning of this for question number nine. Okay. Um, I, I've got to know. I've got to know more about this sword fighting. I, you know what? What, what, what kind of sword fighting was it? Was it? Was it more futuristic? Was it uh, historical based? Historical based a little bit. I've been sword fighting since I was seven. It's like started fencing, uh, uh, epées and foils. It's like. Uh, I then started doing uh, the Western style. It's like the the cutlass and and the and the saber. It's like uh, I like flourishes. Uh, then I started uh, in my teens. I started getting into the uh, the toe, the katana. It's like you know I learned the way of the sword. Crap. It's like uh, but then I found the Shaolin sabers. It's like and I dual wield, so which which is perfect for me. So it's like I do the Tai Chi Shaolin sabers throwing up the air. I do a lot of really cool pretty katas. It's like that could probably get me killed within five seconds of the natural combat, but it looks really pretty and intimidating before the battle. Uh, so, um, so I do that, and uh, and I do I do uh, Thai swords and Tai Chi swords. You know the traditional way to use for Tai Chi. It's like I, I do dual wield those and I do katas on those, and I I, I fight more effectively with them. Uh, than I do with the toe of the katana. And uh, and so and I have about over 120, 130 uh, different kinds of weapons, swords, axes, beers from all over the world, different time periods, some authentic, some catalog crap. It's like, uh, but yeah, I've got like a whole bunch of different kinds of sword fighting. So it's like, I've always liked sword fighting. I am never, ever going to shoot someone. It's like, uh, I think it's a cowardly thing to do. Uh, but if I kill you, it's like, I'm going to be real close to you and your blood's going to be on me. It's like, because that makes it personal. It's like, it's like, I mean, it's a very personal thing to do. It's like, it's not something I would recommend. It's like, but you should have the scars for it for doing it. So, uh, but yeah, even when I carried a gun, it's like, I didn't like it. It's like, I, I don't like, I don't like guns. I don't find them honorable. And it's like, uh, and I'm totally, I'm totally okay with people owning weapons and firearms of their choice because they're constitutionally they're allowed in their second amendment rights and therefore they can have as many machine guns they need for hunting that they need. It's like, uh, I don't care. I'm not trying to get into that. My personal choice is I'm going to kill you with a knife. It's like, I'm not going to do it by a gun. And before you do this whole, well, you bring a knife to a gunfight, you're going to die. When I was working on a task force, it's like, uh, I had a, one of the deputies, mother arrogant, a hole redneck. It's like, Texas. Uh, and uh, he kept talking about that because I kept talking about the sword fighting and I would do the sword fighting. And so literally the captain had enough of it. The guy emptied his chamber. It's like verified to clip out everything. It's like put it back in his holster. And then I had a, uh, my knife on my belt and we stood within about 10 feet because let's be real here. Most gun battles, especially when involving an officer or something, is going to be within 10 feet of your uh, of your other assailant. It's not going to be 500 yards or a mile. From, you're usually, if you're going to get mugged, if you're getting in a confrontation, you're going to be close to this person with that gun. 
It's like even these school shootings, these other shootings, it's like there, there's close proximity involved here. And so, and I told him, I said, let's go and improve it once and for all. So the captain goes, draw, and we draw. And my hand is on his gun arm and is pointing directly at my left leg. So he totally effing shot me in the leg. The butt of my knife was to his throat. And I'm like, ow, you grazed me. And he shut up. So that, that stopped that. I don't know if I can still do that. I'm old now. But it's like, uh, but back then, it's like, when I was in my 20s, no one effed with me. <laughs> it's like at all. It's like so. But, uh, but yeah, it's like, um, I, I know, I, you're, oh, I shouldn't be getting that. That's going to be like, well, I'll leave it at this because I still got to, I, I can't not, not say something. It's like, but uh, one of the stupidest things and information, I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, one of the stupidest things and information in security and red team I hear is everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. Okay. Please understand. It's like, I've been punched in the face by people with malicious intent, not for sport. It's like, I never lost my plan, which was to make the mother pay for the swing, period. It's like, it sounds cool to say, especially if you're a convicted rapist and stuff, you know, who uh, then decided when he didn't have any plans was to bite an ear of his opponent in a sport. It's like, great. That made you sound really tough. But in reality, it's like when you get punched with, uh, get punched in the face, you don't lose your plans. It was a bastardization of a military saying uh, where, where this uh, old German guy or something like that was saying, uh, everybody has a plan. The battle plans never withstand first contact with the enemy it's like tyson must have heard that at a, at a, at a at, you know some kind of cocktail party thought it sounded cool and decided to make it his own whatever it's like but you have plans that's what they're there for it's like to be hit with it's like and then respond that's why you have to have good response that's why you have to practice getting hit in the face so okay. that's, that's going to cause all kinds of drama but you know sorry it, yeah <laughs> Well, definitely one thing for sure is uh, is uh, anybody that dare try to uh, break into your house whenever you're home, oh, they're going to pay for it because you're not the person that's sneaking down the stairs with a bat in your hand. You're the person that's sneaking down the stairs with a buoy knife in your hand. I, I am my whole – see, this is the thing where it's like people think I'm like a bleeding heart, SJW, bleeding liberal kind of person. It's like – and I'm just very efficient, and I know what's right and what's wrong. If someone comes into my house, I will kill them. It's like I will not maim or they're in there threatening my life and the life of my family. It's like I totally, I mean, there is no, I would feel bad about it in remorse. It's like, like I said, if I'm in a fight with drunk people, I have let people punch me in the face so I wouldn't have to fight them because I knew I would be able to destroy them and I don't want to do that. It's like, so I would rather them get their little, you know, feelings assaged by punching me. It's like, then actually do it. But if you're in my house, if you're an active person going into my house or something, it's like, then I have to kill you. It's like, it's like, there's no, that's all there is to it. It's like in the most efficient, I mean, I'm not going to try to wound you. It's like, I'm not going to try to like where you might be wounded and be able to still cause harm or be more, uh, have a superior weapon over me. It's like, no, it's going to be as, as instantly as possible. It's like, so yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Question number 10, what would you say is both the best and the worst advice you've ever received? Um, 
I think um, probably some of the best advice I've ever gotten. It's hard to remember the one like saying, but Tim Smith, it's like he, I owe everything to Tim Smith because he's the one that first got me started in information security. He's the reason why I'm still here because I have horrible self-esteem and, 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 and self-image. I, I have zero. So it's, you know, it's like, I don't have low. It's like, it's none. It doesn't exist. Uh, and he uh, taught me that I needed to shut up more about what I was saying to myself and just do the thing. It's like, and so I started doing more of the stuff and then surprising my own self that I was able to do it. And he backed me up. It's like uh, when I, people got uh, ruffled feathers. Because I was a horrible first. When I first started information security, I was horrible at it. Because I came at it from a uh, security, physical security and law enforcement side of wherever there was a purpose. Like, no, they're clients. So and I did a, a part of my one of my talks I did talked about that. It's like I sucked when I first started information security. But he still backed me up. He still was there to help me out. He still helped me become better. And it's like, and it was under his tutelage and his advice. Um, the worst advice I've ever been given was, uh, to quit. It's like, uh, I'm not gonna mention dance because I don't want to start the drama, but I still remember it. It's like, uh, but someone told me that they were tired of me giving talks and it was going to be their job to make sure I stopped giving talks that year. Uh, and, uh, because they're, they're tired of hearing me talk and I was just starting to get some popularities, just start getting some positive talks. And they just thought I was a fraud and I, they thought I was like, I didn't know what I was doing. And it's like, and I was just like copying other people's work and copying their work and making it sound like I could do the stuff. Uh, and so, yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty bad. That was, but th that my, that whole advice was to give up, just like, just give up and stop now. And uh, got a little boys. Uh, oh yeah. That's this guy is actually who I used to tell my children when they had bullies in high school, I would tell them the full story about uh, this guy. It's like, uh, but yeah, it's like, uh, but man, I didn't take that advice. I don't take all the advice I'm given. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, we have hit the end of 10 questions. Um, Give you a chance to add anything else or plug anything or whatnot before we we're done. Um, I don't plug stuff. Um, I just uh, hopefully people enjoyed everything, but it's like I think hopefully people understand one important theme through all this. Uh, it's like I wasn't trying to do a theme, but it's like you know. But what I want to get out of it is is there is no special person in this field in this industry it's like we all come from really weird backgrounds really diverse and some plain boring backgrounds it's like everybody has a different story and if they're here to the point where they're being interviewed then why can't you it's like your story is just as diverse and different but you keep thinking that it's the same because it's happening to you so therefore it's not that big of a deal it's like, I literally come home from some of these things and people are like, what, what did you do? And I'm like, ah, I did some stuff. It's like, I hung out. It's like, it's like, cause this stuff, it's like, this is just what I do. It's like, so what your experience is, is not what someone else's experience is. It's like, it's like, you can't keep judging from what you see on social media or conferences and saying, that's the reason why I can't accomplish that. Cause I'm never going to be that person. It's like, 
you want to know some legends. It's like not rock stars, some legends in this field. Jeff Moss, FX, feel it. Adam Laurie, RFI idiot. It's like Dan Kaminsky. It's like those are people who took the time to listen to some noob over 15 years ago with spray painted blue hair who's more interested in getting a picture with them than actually learning from them who took time to be hackers with them. It's like, so that's what it's about. It's like, so that's what you do. It's like, stop trying to make it like they have a different life or that I have a different life because I do all these other things. It's like, you don't know all the different horrible things that are going on or the, the stuff that, that goes on uh, in the background. It's like, I'm dealing with two mortgages right now. I'm still trying to sell my home in Oklahoma for the last year. It's, it's a mess. It's like, but you don't see that stuff because that's not the stuff I want to share. So stop trying to use that as an excuse for you not to accomplish that stuff and be on stage. It's like, and share information because you're depriving people of valid information that can help them do their job because you know it and you don't feel like it's good enough. So that's my main thing that I would like to say. That's part of what my talk is this year is screaming at people about that. Yeah, I, I totally feel you on that. I, uh, I've, uh, in, in trying to talk to people and ask them to be on the podcast in the first place, there's, there's a number of people I've asked and they're like, I'm not interesting. I, I, I wouldn't be, you know, your, your, your listeners wouldn't care what I have to say. It's like, no, I'm asking you because I find you interesting and that's, that's, that, that's good enough because I want to talk to you. And you know, if what you have to say is, is, you know, maybe it affects somebody, maybe it doesn't, but share your story, you know? I'm here because of what everybody else that came before me contributed. Even the person who I, that I was talking about, even the bully helped me and inspired me. That was the whole point. He said, I copied. It's like, no, I was inspired by his stuff. It's like, I was inspired by his work. It's like, it was good work. He's awesome at, at his job. Uh, horrible, crappy human being. Awesome at his job. It's like, so that inspired me. It's like, and he inspired me. It's like, so, understand that there's all these people like Jeff, all these other people it's like they do this technology, and they do, but they're human. They've got their own things that they're dealing with. They got their own demons. They're battling. It's like, they've got their own stuff that you're never going to see. It's like, because that's not interesting. It's like, they, you barely think that the stuff that you do that people think is fun and exciting is interesting. It's like, you're much less the stuff that you have to deal with. No one's going to find that. Interesting. You don't share that. I'm usually Debbie Downer on here because I just don't filter. It's like, but, but even I still filter a little bit to be unfiltered. It's like, I still filter because it's like, there's something that people don't really want to know. It's like, and I don't really want to share. It's like, so uh, I try to keep it, you know, as uh, at least on Charlie Brown level, you know, we don't need to go like into, you know, to Eeyore. It's like, uh, so I try to keep it like on Charlie Brown. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right, Jason. I, I I have appreciated this conversation so much, man. I I, I it, it, every everything anybody has ever told uh, told me about you absolutely has panned out and been some. And you know, I I definitely look forward to the chance to get to uh, sit down and maybe talk talk to you whether I'm recording it again or not. Uh, yeah, this this has been fun. Awesome. Okay. That sounds like a plan. Wait till you hear the stories when we're not recording.